Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey everyone, it's the Mitch and Payjack podcast. We're back together in the same room. Um, all the eagle-eyed viewers and listeners who pointed out that the one recorded with Goldberg last week was clearly from a while ago. It was. It was, Long time but, ago, but it all led to this because that was a that was almost a, a pilot for before we did all this stuff. So I'm, uh, thanks very much for the feedback on that one. It's been really really good. I see, really really fascinating, interesting fella. Um, and if you haven't was listened he? or watched that one, yeah, go check it out. <laughs> Mark Goldberg, Goldberg is one of the most fascinating human beings because I still I've spent hours in his company now and I still can't quite figure out what's what's real I mean, and what's how not many real. times did we watch the, like the, you that, that little video you got of the awards. So we were at the FBAs, um, and Goldbridge World was up for an award, and and I I didn't catch the very start of it, but he, when it was announced, he, he like went, oh, and he's like, I've forgotten all about that. He was sat on the table opposite me, and but then I then filmed him, and then he was a but then he went and collected the award, and it, it all just adds to the it's the mystery. It is the mystery. It's the not knowing. Of the man. I've never, you know, you've once spoken at length about the aura that people have. And, you know, I'm thinking Alison Becker here. Mm. This guy does have an aura, Mark Goldbridge, does he? And I don't know whether it's he's the cleverest person that I've ever met or he's not. Um, but he's just, that's just who he is. He's genuine. I can't, it's brilliant, though. And, yeah. like, you know, I've met him and spent some time with him and stuff. He's a genuinely nice bloke yeah. as well. And, and I, I jest it was a really great interview that you did with him. <laughs> uh, worthy of the MXP channel. Yeah. Even if I do say so myself. Yeah. We've got um, another guest one lined up actually with Chris and a very special guest, which we'll reveal in, in, in a week or two because you're, you're, you're going to jet off, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, it's the page time. Um, oh, yeah. This is our, our this is an alternative Champions League final special. We said we weren't going to do loads the Liverpool stuff on this because obviously we've got red men and I do stuff on my channel as well like but Champions League final is massive and we've, we've experienced a couple of them in our lifetime so we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff and react to some of the cool stuff and mad stuff and interesting stuff that's happening in the build up but first Chris Pajak what are you what are you looking to purge from your system this week it, it's Champions League related funnily enough uh, you've been privy to my demeanour shall we say as questions have been asked of me this week thus far um, and there's only one thing that I can page and it's the fact that people keep asking me um, uh, when are you going to Madrid and I'm not going to Madrid and it's fucking doing me head in um, you know I love my wife and I, and I love my kids and stuff uh, 
I really want to be at the Champions League final though and I'm not going um, and I die a little bit in, inside every single time somebody not only mentions the Champions League final but also asks me what my plans are for the Champions League final because I'll be in a fucking Euro camp in France fr- probably watching it on this uh, if there's no television or driving into Paris to try and watch it on my own somewhere um, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm let's say disheartened slightly um, you I, know we've got to do all the preview content the preview content's been incredible we've done so much we've spoken to Jamie Carragher Wijnaldum Klopp Oxlade-Chamberlain Henderson you know uh, just the, the list goes on um, and 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 it's all just it's just like fucking watching a porno as you would say without getting to finish yeah, the job it's um, so we're obviously at the media day which we'll, we'll, we'll pick up on but yeah the, 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 I had to cut so many people off at the pass who were like, and, and like, I'm getting asked the questions. I was playing the pronoun game just to try and not bring like si, Simon Hughes, journalist Perfect. Simon Hughes, is going like, uh, when he's when, when, when he is going, I'm flying out on this date, I am staying here. And then it got something he clearly didn't get it. It doesn't mean he's not an investigative journalist, like you know, <laughs> I mean, because I offered him enough of, enough evidence there. Um, and he proceeded to press like, a couple of just don't ask Chris about it, just don't ask. But I have to hold my hand up. You threw me under the bus at one stage. I did tell you. I told Jürgen. Now, my you can see in how I how I led into it. It's. <laughs> I was. I thought. I thought he might offer you some sort of consolation. Bullshit. No, honestly. You were looking for something that made your vlog worthwhile viewing. I mean, and that you was fucking a, got it, That to was be a byproduct. But I genuinely thought, because I go, oh, and, he, and he's, and he's, because I said, oh, he's, look, he's heart, I think I said he, he's heartbroken. And I was hope, I was genuinely thinking, Klopp's a nice fella. He likes the pair of us. He'll have some words of consolation for you. He's a, he's a, he's a broken man. He booked a family holiday. Two year old and a four year old. <laughs> he really did. And everyone keeps saying to me, How are you getting there? When are you going? And I just die every single time. Um, just outside Paris in a Euro camp. <laughs> Maybe dad to go almost. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. He laughed at me it's fucking face. <laughs> He laughed in my face. He did. Twice, maybe three times. It would have only been worse if he'd done the full ha-ha from The Simpsons. But he basically did. That's the most annoying thing. He basically did exactly that. The fucking man that I adore more than anyone else at the moment. The manager of Liverpool Football Club. The next fucking Bill Shankly laughing in my face. I mean, not only that I'm still harbouring deep fucking regret over missing the interview you had with him last year Yeah, you know what I mean and it makes matters worse now he's just laughing in my face it wasn't the response I was hoping for was but it, it was a better, better response than I could have dreamt of you're an like, absolute twang, I, if that's a fucking decent word that we can that's, say that is, a, that is a, a late 80s insult and it's fine that's a red dwarf insult um, we'll just check that we'll just run that through the chat just to make sure that's not hideously offensive in any way shape 20, before 20-30 years ago it was definitely fine definitely but now fine. we may have to check that in. Yeah. and if it got bleeped it was the word twonk yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
twonk. What a twonk. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I genuinely. You're not the way. Look, you're fucking smiling funny. as you're saying it. You're funny. an absolute divvy. It was too funny. You know what? If it just be, if it had been like any other reaction, but it was like it was like someone had given him an electric shock. <laughs> That's so bad. Um, right, I um, then moving on. Um, I can't. No. I'm not ready to. No. It's all right. I'm choosing to purge this weekend. It's a bit more serious. It's not football related, but I I was gonna purge all of politics. Um, and it, but it links into it uh, the coverage of politics in this country because I right. I, I really like politics. I find it fascinating. I'm really interested. I love talking about it. I love getting other people's opinions and stuff. And, I, and you know, and it, it, it's horrible and it tests you at times because when you get outside your bubble and you've got people who've got staunch opinions on one way or the other, and that's the thing of it. I don't like, but the, the coverage. So I walked into the, into the into the shops this morning, and what shop? Um, a, a local shop for with 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 the tells newspapers and stuff like that if they want to sponsor this by all means they can and i'll say their name freely but until they do um but anyway there was two headlines that caught my eye and the first one that caught me because it was nearest to the aisle i was walking down was like uh corbyn labor's anti-semite shame or something like that and i was like oh crap like what's what's going on with all this now and then the paper next to it said corbyn to back Remain EU referendum. Yeah, yeah, back second refer- second referendum or whatever. And, and I was like, it's fucking horseshit, isn't it? Like, did uh, is it any? Why do people think? Why do people? There must be people in the in, in journalistic industries who wonder why their trust has been eroded. How the fuck are you meant to trust the mainstream media when? Because my opinion, I, and I look, I am left leaning, but I'm not. St- Staunchly, weirdly fucking, you know, super, super left. I've got, you know, it was a great line from Jason Manford, and he says, we've all got a bit of right wing in us, you know, and in his line, he uses along the lines of like, we all believe that all, you know, all humans should be treated equal, and, and like prisoners are entitled to fair treatment and rehabilitation, but when someone breaks into your house, fucking string up the bastards, like, you know what I mean? So, it, you know, we've all, we've all got a bit of that in it, but I can't help but think that, you know, it's the, it's the, inc- horrendous bias that goes on and it, it it pains me that more people don't get on to how they're just sh- tools used by both sides of the political divide to brainwash various people into believing what they want to believe but when I see it from the Daily Mail like it's like the mirrors covering what covering the second referendum which I is, is that but it, it isn't it mad that on the day where he backs the Labour reportedly backs something the Daily Mail are staunchly against. That the Daily Mail would choose to upsell the anti-Semitism stuff, which I'm not. If it's true, shouldn't be swept under the carpet. But I find it all just. I find it all maddening. And and there's journalistic. There's meant to be journalistic integrity. When did when did journal? And maybe journalism's always been this, and maybe it has. It's particularly tabloid journalism, I guess. But it's. It, 
it's just like the fucking internet. It's just become people servicing their own their own opinions and nothing. Whatever happened to impartiality? Whatever happened to telling us the news? Whatever happened to saying this is what has happened? This is what is happening? And digging into the into 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 the meanings and the and the rights and wrongs of it all. How are you meant to trust what's right and wrong? No one fucking knows. Genuinely, no one knows what's right or wrong in the fucking remain leave thing. And the mainstream media not making it any easier because it's like. It's like flipping a coin so you get the right outcome, or it's like speaking to being in the on the wrong side of a story, but you speak and you you you, you spin it and you spin it. And you speak to close friends until they tell you that you're on the right of uh, right of an argument. I find it all absolutely fucking it's, infuriating. It's mad. Like, listen, there's there's so many things there that you're absolutely spot on with. The one news outlet that is supposed to be impartial, that tries to be impartial, is the BBC, isn't it? <laughs> now, you're reaction there would suggest that it's not but i watch a lot of the bbc news i don't watch any of like sky news or anything like that and i'm not sure whether they are trying to be i think they are trying to be impartial to be honest with you now there are loads of there are you know this morning for example they had someone who's just been elected to as a member of european parliament uh majid majid i think it was mm-hmm. for the green party yeah and they also had a guy called i think his name was nielsen who is voted in from the brexit party so they're there and they're having a conversation and they've got both sides yeah and they're both there and but they're saying completely different things now the problem for me with the bbc is the interviewer will have a certain slant mm-hmm. and they will ask questions of both parties but then you're asking the interviewer to be impartial, and I'm not sure that's the easiest thing for an interviewer to do. A good interviewer might be able to do it. The best interviewer might be able to do it. But if you lean one way, you're going to have a direction for that interview. So it makes it difficult for it, you know what I mean? So how can, you can't have somebody who's impartial because nobody's impartial in this country, give or take, do yeah. the interview. So where, where, how can they even do no, it? No, it is, and that's where you get to get true, true, proper, staunch professionals in. And you know, you you, you, you know them, and unfortunately they're, they're increasingly few and far between. The problem the BBC's got is the BBC's funding comes from the government. And so, and and we live in a in a time of austerity where BBC's funding get, is getting cut, and you know all this stuff is getting cut, and their paymasters are ultimately whoever's whoever whoever's in charge. So you have to they have to be careful. And what what's also happening is because they're worried about this reaction about them maybe having a bias or whatever, they're trying to be a bit. I think they're trying to be too too partisan. But yeah, with in that. <laughs> It's all well and good. That's fine if you give two opposing point to point, but you've then you can't. It's not just a platform for people to say their their thoughts and opinions. They have to be challenged and they have to be questioned. It's not just put up some fucking moron and go. Well, here's a fucking idiot who's got a mad opinion. What's your opinion? Tell us your opinion. You've got to be have someone who you've got to get to the heart. Of what's the truth? What you've got to have someone. It's the responsibility of journalists in this country. This is the responsibility of the press is to dig deeper is to find out what is real and what is bullshit to cut through because that's like well, that's it. you get two people in the studio and you ask them a question you might ask them the same question and you're going to get completely different answers not only are they going to be completely different answers they're going to talk about the things that they've prepared to talk about mm-hmm. and they will always and this is the problem with politicians they'll always just shoehorn in what their agenda is yeah. and they won't answer the question and because they might have five minutes or ten minutes I think it was five minutes they had with them this morning it's like well, I, 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 you didn't answer me fucking question mate yeah. I'm going to sit here. I've got all day until you decide to answer yeah, me fucking like Paxman, question. Jeremy Paxman's a massive bellend, but I 
I appreciate his approach to to political interviewing because it is it's it's maddening. I, I I'll be honest, like Tom Watson, he's even still a deputy leader of Labour. He's a fucking knobhead. I, I interviewed him years ago, and I had to I bit my tongue over because he was at a, an HJC event, uh, the Hillsborough Justice event, and he um. Just it's just a friendly conversation about about a, a, a nice event, and he the, the 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 way the politicians talk, it just makes you want to just fucking it just makes you want to walk away and never you know never go near a, a pole again and all that kind of stuff. And it's bollocks. And all this just the the thing that sparked it for me was obviously the 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 EU voting this week. And the results were used to service whichever opinion you were looking looking to have. So, if you were, the Brexit Party got massive gains, fair play. Because look, let's let's be perfectly honest about this. The 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 things at the core of the of the people who are voting for the Brexit Party and the people who voted for Leave and all that. There's there's some massive core issues that 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 will that need addressing. People are entitled to have those issues, whatever it is that's driving towards those things. But and then Labour lost. So that if you if you you could go well look Brexit lost Brexit won and Labour lost. But don't neither side of the of the divide actually lost any percentage or any footing in it. If because you, if you add up Brexit and you add up Conservative, you're pretty much getting what voted to leave. You kept lost. You kept took losses. You went on to Brexit. Conservatives took losses, which went to the Brexit. Labour took losses that went on to Green. Green. And you know, and so it, by and large, we still end up with exactly the same exactly the same split. It's it's fucking it, it's horseshit. And, and I think you know. Uh, I think I remember showing you this video. Maybe you'd seen it yourself. Is there was an advert about um, what, what, what's the article thing on the internet called about the freedom of the internet and all that oh, type of 31, stuff? Thirty-one, is it? Something like that. And and, and it was big. Fifty. 50. No. Article fifty Article is what 50 gets triggered when we leave the EU. Yeah. Oh, so there's, fucking spend all your time on the internet, and you can't tell me what it is that's going to stop you from posting porn gifts on your fucking <laughs> Twitter. So I think Burger King did this incredible advert and tried to explain to its customers what it was and why it was bad. And what they did was, there's the fucking line. And for too long, political parties and companies have decided to be on this line or just slightly over to one side, leaning one way or the other. And Burger King went, "We're fucking here." We're miles away from the line. Here's our position. And they took massive growth in sales because of that. Because the left-leaning United States citizens decided to just go with Burger King. Now, you are cutting off a huge potential audience, but you're actually gaining you know, repeat custom time and time again from another one. But this is the problem with the political parties. It's the problem with Labour. It's the problem with Conservatives over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Is they're too similar. There's not that many things that do separate them anymore. And I think... You know, Corbyn has needed to come out a long time ago now and say, "Here's where we fucking stand." Yeah. That's but, he, the, and, and, but you've got to make it clear where you are yeah. for people to make an. No, absolutely, decision. and that's the problem. But it, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all fucked. And it's and again, I fucking love politics, but at the point now, it's like you know, it's but in a. There doesn't seem to be any any easier obvious answer without there being an you know, absolute fucking uproar over it. And again, the way people talk about it, and they're all fucking bollocks. They're all bollocks. I, I, like, I like the idea of Jeremy Corbyn, and I don't mind the idea of the Labour, generally speaking. But the fucking horseshit. The full. The, you know they've got they've got no direction. They've got no purpose. At least I can. You know what I mean? I don't like conservatism. It's not my thing. It's not my thing at all, particularly. 
But my God, I mean, if you go, it's like the fucking Empire and Star Wars. At least they're committed to being evil. Like, you know what I mean? At least you're committed to the fucking, to, 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 to the sitting way. You can cut through it. There's no fucking dalliances. There's like, not fans of the NHS, fans of privatization, fans of private wealth, fans of, you know, of, of, of capitalism and all that. Great. At least you understand where they stand. At least if you be, at least if you're into all those things, you know, to, you know, to get behind fucking Labour. Corbyn wants, wants to leave. Just as much as the, the people on the other side, he just can't. He just can't come out and say it because he'll divide half his half the fucking labour fan, like labour fan base. This is where we're at. It's, it's basically it's, it's football. Big football is turned, politics has turned into footy and it's shit. Um, anyway, <laughs> never gonna be never gonna be unpaged of that. Um, just briefly, we talked about the whole series up to this point. We missed the, the, the finale last week because we didn't do the podcast. But Game of Thrones, satisfied? Loved it. Did you? I, I, you know, I've read every word that's been written on Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. I've watched every minute of the TV show. Um, can't think of a better way to end it all. I thought it was fine. Uh, it was, it, it was, it wasn't a massive disappointment. I wasn't thrilled with it. It was like, it was, it was the ending that that series set up, and I don't mean like in terms of narrative. I mean, it was. <sighs> Let's leg it to the end of this show. Like we've got to get this show finished in this time. It's like anything, whatever, anything you ever do in life, where you've got all the time in the world, and you and you you just fucking you realise you've got ten minutes to get to, to get ready, so you cram everything you need to do in ten minutes when you've had you've been sat down for four hours. Um, it was fine. I, 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 right, it made me so excited for the books, mm. like so excited for the next two books because now I know where the ending is. It's brilliant. What the problem with the TV show for me is, as you just mentioned there, they rushed it, mm. and that's fine because I'm going to get to enjoy the books, yeah. which I enjoy more than the television series anyway. Yeah. Now, I think you know they lost the way because George R. R. Martin, when he was writing the books, it was so in-depth and they were so big and the scale of them was absolutely massive that he gave them so much to work with. Yeah. And then he gave them the end story and they had to quickly work there. Yeah. George R. R. Martin will take his time getting there. And or he'll I, die. I, I, no, yeah, or he'll die. <laughs> I mean, he's already taking his time getting there. It was fucking eight years ago the last one came out. Um, <laughs> So for me, I'm like, brilliant. I know the ending. The ending's absolutely perfect. I couldn't have fucking asked for it better. Literally, for every character that's still alive and made up, there's dragons still in the world. Sound. I'm, I'm great with that. Wouldn't it have all been for now if the last dragon fucking died? Yeah. I mean, so this is all brilliant. And now we're going to see how it was meant to get to that point. And that's what I'm looking forward the, to most of the, the books. There was something that, it, 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 at least they tied it up. Like I didn't, I, I, there's so many stupid plot threads for no, you know what I mean? It was like, what was the point of so many things that they do? What was the point of John, John's secret reveal? There's just, whatever. But the, but the, it, so, so, so there's, I think the point is that after all of that, you know, I know he goes off into the North and stuff like that, but th there's not going to be a Targaryen. That's why they decided to put him there. Yeah. They've ended the line. Yeah. So there's no more coin flip over. There's mad Targaryens who are going to come and take over yeah. the country. They've got, they've, you know, they've installed politics for what it's worth into uh, the Seven <laughs> Kingdoms from the now shit on. Out of that in a few years' time. <laughs> a few years time. Like when Bran turns into a tree or whatever he does and then and then maybe passes away in 3,000 years, someone else will be a king. Um, it's just, it's just brilliant. It's yeah. just fucking superb. I, I can't. I just don't get the fume because everyone I've spoken to in real life actually likes the ending. Doesn't like how they got there. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was fine. It was one of those things where, like, it was not. It was it was good fan service in the end. In that they just gave because it gave you like the lives carry on. It was like um, at the end of the OC. 
where they basically just they actually except except they went like 20 20 year, 10 20 years or whatever in the future and it showed you the path the characters go down so you got a sense of these are real people and they get to carry on their lives and you get you have a bit of a sense of renewed hope of well there's some interesting stories and they can always bring it back if they want so it's not like I said which I predicted was they'll just kill everyone and everyone will be dead misery uh, miserable not the whole thing it was fine I, I, I watched it and I was like I, I got no I had no emotional response to it one way or the other it was like oh, did the bookies pay out no, on brand because I don't think he ever sat on the Iron Throne and, and I'm sure the wording of that who will sit on the Iron well, Throne given that I, bent to fuck. given that I never got any money from me Mo Salah top goal scorer bet I, uh, I can't imagine but did for Mane well, I was going to say how do you feel about the Mane one because you did get paid out for, for that Mane, but not for Salah pricks never trust the bookies um, unless they want to sponsor Redman TV for the upcoming season in which case I will retract that statement um, and, and much more and much more beyond that um, we've got some um Couple of random bits that have cropped up this week. Our good mate Rory, um, Chelsea fan extraordinaire, uh, he's been on a number of um, rants about um, Sari. And the one I saw from last night, I, I, love, I love Rory to bit. He's, he's a good friend of ours, but I, he, he's basically wants Sari out and he's desperate for them to just to have Jody Morris and Frank Lampard. What was your immediate reaction to seeing that? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Be made up. Sound. I would be made up. Like, we've just watched Ole Gunnar Solskjaer be given the Manchester United job, but it's far too big for him, and he's nowhere near good enough for it. Um, and it's starting to implode around his ears. And and now Chelsea fans want... what, what? It could only be made better by if it was Lampard and Wise. Yeah. To be honest with you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Frank Lampard and Jody Morris. If you don't know who Jody Morris is, ask your dad. Um, dear God, um, yeah, that would be that would be absolutely glorious if that happened. Um, did you see the the Man City chairman with a wonderful piece of PR spin? This yeah, week? was it for the MEN? With success, you know, there's a certain level of uh, you know uh, jealousy, th- jealousy, envy, called <laughs> whatever that comes. That's part of the game, you know. When uh, you know when Manchester United dominated the Premier League for, for many years. They know what they had to deal with for, for so many years. That's part of the game. It's not easy for our competition, we know that. You know, by the way, the football world is, is very small and uh, word comes around very quickly. So, uh, you know, when someone somewhere in a leading, leading position in any club says something or briefs something, uh, guess what, we know about it. But the reality, we didn't buy the most expensive player in the Premier League. We didn't buy the most expensive goalkeeper. We didn't buy the most expensive defender. We didn't buy the most expensive midfielder. We didn't buy the most expensive striker. So when people throw that, what you know they throw at us, I go back, let's look at facts. Look at the facts, let's talk about facts. For the Manchester Evening yeah. News, surprising. Yeah, I don't even. I don't know if that was Stuart Brennan or not. He was being it interviewed. Wasn't. But it was someone who was very, like it. it was someone very happy to be just very happy to if, be if there. It, if it was Stuart Brennan, he doesn't look like his profile pic. Yeah, no, none of the journalists ever do, by the way. Um, but yeah, it, it, this 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 notion that we didn't buy the most expensive goalkeeper, we haven't bought the most expensive defender, midfielder, striker. Um, horseshit. They just don't have them. Now they just don't have the record. It, 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 it's, it's. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It, it, you know, we talk about the, the, the politics and the, the media and all that. It's a tremendous piece of spin, and I'm sure there'll be Man City fans fucking out of all you know, 14 year olds on the internet laughing up, going, "Look, he said it." So it's, it is true. Look, it's truth what he said there. 
Did you, how much did they spend on Mangala? 50 million? Mate, they have spent on centre backs about 200 million trying to find company a partner. Just not all in one go. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They've had Otamendi, they've had Mangala, they've had Stones, they've had Laporte. That adds up to well more than Virgil van Dijk, by the way. It's yes. just that we did it once. Yeah. And, you know, we got asked for cheaper than you You paid for four centre-backs to partner Vincent Company. You know what I mean? I find it, I think it's mad. There's, 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 a, great, there's a great tweet which we'll, which we'll put up, actually, from um, from Cybrun this year. I thought absolutely nailed it in response to it all. And he says, at their time of purchase, Edison, most expensive keeper. Walker, most expensive fullback, uh, Mendy, most expensive fullback, Mangala, most expensive defender. Stones, most expensive defender. Kevin De Bruyne, most expensive midfielder Raheem Sterling most expensive English footballer slash teenager facts there you go They're mate so facts honestly but the, the problem that he's got is he, he's it, it's very Trump what he's doing isn't it they're cutting down the other sides and and you know uh, they're weaponising almost their fan base and whipping them into a frenzy to go and bat for them and stuff like that and I think you know the Man City fans need to take a step back and start looking at it properly with, with, with their eyes open and understand what's happening because he's playing them City haven't had to break those transfer records last season because all the players that they broke the records for previously are still able to play for that team. Like, you know, and and if they had to go out tomorrow and replace Sergio Aguero, they they would be break. They would be paying more than seventy five million. If they had to buy the Sergio Aguero again, he would cost about one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty million pounds. Fact. That's you know football inflation. That's just the. Yeah, that's I just, mean, just the way I think is. they'd be buying Mbappe, and it'd be two hundred. Yeah, exactly. You know that, that. So that's that's the reality of the situation. But I, I find it funny, and I'm glad that most people are seeing through this. Um, Getting looking ahead to the Champions League final, then there's been some there's been some some cool things doing the rounds. Um, did you see Jurgen Klopp reacting to the baby player photos? I did. Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, our boy. I think he's from Switzerland. That must be Shaq. What a wonderful player, what a wonderful ambassador for this country. <laughs> it looks like the sister of Virgil van Dijk, but it's probably Virgil himself. Wow. <laughs> Is it? Well, it could be two. But it's probably Genia. He's English. He's English. Daniel Sturridge. That's Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> Same haircut like today. I like that. That's consistency. Mr. Consistent, James Miller. <laughs> the Virgil van Dijk. He's like it's his sister. It's his... <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I, the thing, it's one of the weird ones because everyone's been talking about the Trent one, which is great, and the, and the Virgil van Dijk one. The Shakiri one, where basically he goes, some people think I probably should have paid him more. Oh, he looks at the camera though when he's saying it. Oh my god! My one, my favorite was the James Milner because it was just James Milner, and then he goes like, same "It's hair. the same haircut, Mister Consistency." At least he's consistent. It's James Milner, and you're like, brilliant. But the, I, I got one wrong as well. I said that Daniel Sturridge was Genie Wine Alvin as well. It was, I it, was it was the eyes. Like mm. I, I was only looking into Genie's eyes yesterday. I only watched the video this morning. Like, Dreamy. and I, listen. I, I don't remember, you know, when we met Daniel Sturridge, falling in love with his eyes, but they definitely look like Gino and Adam's eyes to me. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, brilliant. I love all the little bits and pieces that come out from it. Um, the one that did Alistair Gold originally put this out, I think. Um, this happens because we had this, we, we'll talk about the media day in a minute, but we, you know, you get access to footballers kicking balls around and you're allowed to film it for the first time ever. You can, you can get a bit overexcited and just, 
everything's gold. Um, no pun intended for Alistair, but the he's filmed the Spurs players doing this doing a rondo. Air quotes Rondo. Air quotes Rondo. It's it's not the best. No. It looks like if me, you, Tom and Si had a Rondo. Yeah. Pretty much. And we all, 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 the, all the staff had one and you and Tom were in the middle trying to chase it down. I mean, you wouldn't be standing and the spare place that we're standing, so maybe <laughs> that's not right. But the when the video starts, it looks like a game of piggy in the fucking middle. It's that bad. You know what I mean? And then then there's about a minute where they can't sing more than three passes together. Harry Kane's touch was off. Hopefully that stays true. Mm. Um, then Rose and somebody else decided to just pass it between themselves for like four passes. And that, I think that might have been their record. Family <laughs> passes, they got strung together in one go. It was absolutely fucking pathetic is what we're trying to say. Yeah, It yeah. was not a rod though. Yeah, he put out, I was like, they, they were better than this. I, I, I put, he basically apologised for putting out a shit video. So just, just, just delete it, mate. Or just put it, put the good, put the good one up. But he's obviously just gone. And there you go. There's some spares training footage that's gone, and Brilliant. the internet's just gone. You know, full Nelson. Full, oh, in fact, they've gone. They've gone full Jurgen Klopp reaction. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, one of my favourite bits of interneting came out by the media days yesterday. I put a photo up of you and Alison Becker looking oh very, God, very sexy. Like, you fucking prick. I mean, how many times you want to have a pop at me yesterday? You, you knew I was doing that face because you'd just done that Jürgen Klopp thing to me, so I was angry with you. you, I, thought you away. Were, I thought you were smouldering. I don't know. That, that, hang on. I thought that was just like your come-to-bed face. No, that's it yeah, now. All right, um, go on. Is that a smolder? Is that a smolder? That's my come to bed, little boy or girl. <laughs> Have some sweeties. So, so you put it out, and like a fucking minute later, I've got a beard. So, so someone photoshopped the beard onto you, and then I must admit, I did think you looked like Bill Oddie. Yeah, you um, did. And you, you, you let the world know. So they took it one step. They took it one step further. Put an owl on me. Put an owl in there as well. Absolutely unreal. Um, I, I love the internet. That is a tremendous piece of photoshopping. Well, I couldn't wait. I, I, I showed it to Shy uh, when you had all got off last night, and, and we were looking at it, and he's going, I was going, that's a fucking unbelievable photo. And he's like, I'm not sure it is. Can it be a filter? I was like, you couldn't put a filter on the whole picture like that, as far as I'm aware, on like Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. So I think that's a Photoshop. Yeah. And I was looking at it going, but like, it's like this fucking grey in me beard. It's beautiful, like, but it's horrible at the same time. Mm. And do you know what? I finally might have got over the fact that I can't grow a beard yeah. because that's if what, that's, that's what, what I'm going to look like. like. Ah, fucking fuck that. That's what you'd look like if you had like a castaway style Tom Hanks left on an island for 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 all that. I mean, you'd have to be. On the not, for this about... is what I'd look like if I wasn't left on an island for three years. <laughs> Paul, it would just be like these bits. Yeah, just I think, I maybe would, a couple more of these fucking spots or whatever. Oh that's, a, that's a bar, it like. But yeah, again, it was a bit of like vicarious living there. You got to see, got to see how it could look and better that you stay baby faced. I think so. The baby faced Avenger. Um, so yeah, we we went to the the, no, the, the Champions no. League. You know, it's the Pink Whisperer, lad. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We don't have to cut this section out of the podcast again, are we? Okay, so... Um, What's the, the video? The Pink Whisperer. Okay. Um, <laughs> we went to the Champions Wait. League media day. Is that... That's, that's, that's Robbie, isn't it? Doing his, 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 his Wasteman yeah. video. Very right, cool. Um, yeah, we went to the Champions League media day. We were, we were very lucky enough to... Was I invited? We forced our way in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we asked and we asked and we asked and we asked and we pestered and they finally let us in um, which was fantastic which thank was you. fantastic um, but yeah it was do you know the most annoying part of yesterday what? is we had to do all the fucking work we had to do all the work to be like yes you can come in but it can only be two of you and I couldn't now bear in mind bear in mind that Chris has got a heartbreak of not going the final on the rise and there wasn't going to be like Chris missing out on this and I wasn't missing out on it so um, it meant that Tom and, uh, and Ty could, couldn't come or, or Ross or whatever so we, we, we were, there was no doubt that we were both going but then the very real realisation of we're responsible for all the recording that's going to be happening on the day and there was a couple of moments where with Jürgen so in particular yeah, yeah that was fucking embarrassing caught, I, I managed to get Jürgen on the line on, on, on the mix zone line I've got him alright Jürgen come for a few words Hi. Hi. how are you are you good you got it in is that my question 
just, to just pull up. It would be cool then. The red light is on. No, honestly. Genuine professionals, mate. Internal. External. And the microphone's not working. <laughs> And, then I, and I, there's a point where I turn to you, and it's like we've got a few. We do a few of these things. That people always ask us, "Do we ever have fallen out?" And we don't really. But there was a moment where I looked at you, like, just fucking get it sorted. <laughs> you were like, just fucking keep the keep it cool. It's gonna work. So what happened was you had the road mic stuck in, and I've not told Paul this. This is the big reveal now. So you had the road mic plugged in. So we shoved the XLR in fast because I was running over with the cameras. The mix zone had already started because it was fucking fifty meters away. So you look at me and I'm across and you're like, oh, no, come on. So I start fucking running towards you. The camera sets up, we throw the XLR in, blah, blah, blah. And then you got Jürgen and we've not switched from internal mic to external. You go external, I'm like, flick it. And I put my headphones in and I'm like, nothing. And you're like, shit. And you're trying to turn to Jürgen, right? And I realise my headphones aren't plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not telling Jürgen and you this. So I'm fucking picking up. So I'm and you're turning away talking to Jürgen and I'm frantically trying to get the fucking headphones into the camera. And you turn around, is it working? I'm like, yeah, it's working. I'm filling. I'm trying to fill, going, oh, they're professional laws, Jürgen. It's fine, it's fine. I'm going to just put the other mic on, anything. I've got, I've got, it's like, I've got a live one. I've got a live one. And, um... Yeah, he's gonna end up getting off on us. Yeah. He made some comments about going for a piss and it being ready when he got back. Otherwise, they go for a piss and then they're off. Um, which we haven't got recorded. Which we have. Um, and then he, he did. He, he, he did another interview and immersively came back. Like, but like I. Like that, there was that very brief moment of just where you, I just wanted to set fire to the world for about for about uh, for about five so seconds. Then, so then we have a bit of a long wait. We, we, the, the rap and then us are, are interviewing Oxen Chamberlain, aren't they? Oxen Chamberlain, Oxen Hendo, sorry. So then, then they're the, so we go in there. We set our cameras up. John, John Gibbo from the rap. Let's just set our cameras up beforehand, so we don't. We have a little bit longer with them because you got ten minutes exactly give or take and then uh, so we set up we give them a microphone we lend them an extra microphone and all that type of stuff you get set up you're doing the cameras I'm doing the audio sound we go outside they do an interview we go in and they obviously the lads are already in the room Hendo and Ox and then we're there I'm, and I'm sat down ready to go and Paul's like he's looking at the cameras like and he, he literally said I don't normally do this, and you couldn't work out how to fucking I, I was, do it. Well, I, I was, I was, I was doing the audio check, and I was like, <laughs> "It has been so long since I've had the responsibility for doing this." Like, I was like, "Just wouldn't do it." It's like, okay, they're in the sound. The audio's coming through. I'm just gonna roughly guess at what the levels should be. I'm gonna check the red lights and everything. But I just, I just, I just, I just went. Normally, got people who do this for me. <laughs> And then okay, I'm no. sat there doing the interview and Paul's frantically walking around all the cameras trying to avoid them and not get... Like, there was one point where you nearly went in front of the lens and you caught yourself, wasn't there? Yeah. And you kind of sort of went around the back of the camera and all this. And I was just basically oh, freestyle belly dancing behind was, the cameras uh, just, for, was, just for shit. It was really like, fucking funny to it be honest was, it with was you. Good, and, and it's it's good that it's not just the two of us anymore because, like, Red better be shit if it was. Yeah, so, the, yeah, that very, very, very... And the, I thought the interview was brilliant as well. The, um, there's, there's a couple of bits which people will be able to see it'll be on the Redmen YouTube channel and on the, the I think we're putting some on the the, web, the Redmen website as well but yeah th there's yeah there's good there's good there's a video we've done which we won't we won't get to see for a few weeks or whatever but there's, we got Jordan then there's some reacting to a video that his mate filmed of him when he was like 16 or 17 15 or so, 15 yeah. Jesus Christ yeah um 
uh, absolutely amazing. So, yeah, good, good, good day. But it, it made me feel loads better about the whole thing. I know you've got your own issues going on, but in terms of like, I very much needed that. Like in terms of just the feeling, the spirit of positivity, feeling the vibe, because I've been, I started to get really stressed out in the morning. You know what it is? My fears around this final are not about, not, it's not about the game. It's not about whether Liverpool are good enough or all that kind of stuff. And I talked about it a lot on this podcast and other places. It's the, it's, it's post match social media. I just can't, I, I don't think I can live in a world where. Liverpool have lost a European Cup final to Spurs. I'll, I'll, I'll have to. I'm, I'm, I might have to delete Twitter via the medium of throwing my phone in the Mersey or something. Well, this is why I didn't want Spurs. It's it's this stress that you get. But you're right. Yesterday went a long way in sort of just pushing that to one side because it didn't look like a team or a squad that was stressed. You know, Genie Wijnaldum did the press conference himself with Joel Matip. And they were talking for about 15 minutes or so. Then they go and do the training. And he was the last person stood talking to people in the mix zone. And he's already had media duties. Yeah. And he was outside for probably 25, nearly 30 minutes. I'd guess talking to different people. Alison Becker did an interview in Portuguese. Um, and he must have done an interview with someone for about 15 minutes or so. Virgil van Dijk stayed around for ages. Then they all went inside and did the license holders stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of these players as well. We obviously had Hendo and Ox. And they'd done, I think they'd done like a 30 minute thing for the BBC. Then they'd done the rap and we were the last ones for them. And they went down and out. You know, they were like buzzing for it and stuff. And it's like... That's the that's the great thing about those days as a fan going to them is that you get to just get a sense of where the squad is at and it's not one that's stressed. It's not like me. Yeah. Thank fuck. <laughs> and they're not worried about it. This is what they've worked hard for all season long. You know, if you work hard for something and you're nearly there, you're not going to be stressed about it. You know you've put the work in. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know this, but, you know, if you work for an exam and you get there, I imagine you're not that stressed. I was always stressed going into exams because I've never done plenty of fucking working. Yeah, I do, I do a lot. And you're right, that I used to get nervous about certain bits and p- certain things, like interviewing people and whatever. Like, you used to be panicky. But I, you get to a point where if you've done your preparation and you're calm, and you've you've been the toilet, and you've done all the things that you can possibly do. Toilet's massive. One. Yeah, if you've done all the things that you can do, then it'll go out. It'll, it'll, it'll go out. It'll go. You know what I mean? So, we're quite lucky now as well that, like, you know, we we knew yesterday that we were going to have um, Oxen Endo. We probably I probably had an hour to sort of prepare some questions and stuff, didn't I? But then. You know, I, I wrote a few questions down, didn't actually use a lot of them because you just went with the flow a little bit and stuff. But then, you know, you in the mix zone, you didn't have anything prepared. You didn't know who you were going to get. And because we've done so much and you're so experienced at doing these things now that you can just, I think there's a confidence that you get from, I've been unprepared for these things quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I know I'm going to get all right stuff regardless. Now, if I prepare, I know I'm going to get really good stuff. Like, so, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, but it's good. I, it was that thing I've said before. Like, you know, I think as football fans are the worst. We're all freaks. We're all panicky weirdos. We've all got deep rooted anxieties that probably stem from all the shit that's happening in our lives and the things things going around it. But uh, elite level athletes are, are, are. It's very comforting to be around people who are just amazing at what they do and, and super confident because it definitely kind of rubs off on uh, rubs off on you. Tom gets that with us every day. Um, it's true. 
So we got asked the question. He's nodding profusely um, behind the camera there. From uh, Alexa Vujic. He said, could you guys talk about your personal experience of Istanbul? Um, obviously, you know, as we know, the Pill Championship final, Lumen, it's the third one, really. I mean, it's not the third one of our lifetimes, but the third one of us being old enough to really appreciate them and, and understand what was going on. Because we were like, what? Well, it's three. the fourth coming up, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, but the... <laughs> you've, you've, so I've crossed yeah, over last year completely. Um, sorry, yeah. But I mean, what I mean is in terms of, yeah, the, the, the more recent ones, the, the, these are where, where they're at. But it goes back to, going back to Istanbul, it's mental for me because, and there's a thing that happens when you get to a certain age where you don't, you never get any older in your own head. Once you become an adult, you stay that person psychologically. And you can change and you can grow and you can evolve. Well, we were 23 ish, something like that at so Istanbul. We were 22, where, where, you know, when, when, because uh, obviously. Um, oh, yeah, my birthday's late. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were, we, were 20, we, were, we were 22 at, at Istanbul. So I don't feel any different. It doesn't feel like 14 years ago to me in any way shape or form i was in yes we were in our prime um and i'm very much not in my prime in in, in that way I, I certainly can't handle my ale in the same way anymore as evidenced by our trip to pop world the other week um but it's it's maddening it, 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 the, <laughs> there's a generation of liverpool fans now who've grown up without that experience mm. oh, I, was, I was asking the, i was asking tom and si you, you were 10 they were 10 at, at the time, like when I was, let me work it out. When I was ten, I went to my first cup final when I was nine. So I went to the FA Cup final in '92, and I don't really remember the game. I remember elements of it. I remember bits of the journey and the trip and stuff. And I've watched the game back since. So that's probably where most of my memory of the game comes from, as I've added to it over added to it over the years. So I don't remember what, but I don't remember the ride, the, the, the journey to getting there. I don't remember the, the the feelings, the emotion, the ups and downs of the game or whatever at all. And it's when you realise now that there's a, gener- there's, a, there's a proper, proper generation of grown-ups who follow Liverpool, who have, for whom they've seen no success. And we have sustained ourselves on Istanbul for 14, for 14 years. 14 years is far too long for a club of this side to get one of the big two in it. Mm. Ultimately, you know, Premier League or European Cup and stuff. But that was a, that was an unbelievable day. It, funny enough, I posted a picture yesterday on Instagram of me and, and Hendo and Ox. And one of the girls we used to knock around with, Kate, um, Kate Spink, posted like, can you believe that like fucking 20 years ago, Give or take, I think it was 18 years ago, we were sat on the roof of Owen's restaurant on the fiveways for the treble cup, uh, cup parade. Yeah. And it's like, that's what we were doing then. And she's like, can you believe what you're doing now? And I was like, no, if you'd have told me back then that this is what we're doing now, I would not have believed you in any way, shape or form. So it's mad. Even though we were an adult, we were nowhere near the people that we are doing the things that we love to do at the moment and yeah. stuff. And then you think just a few years later, we got Istanbul and you know, then we have another European Cup final in Athens. And since then I've been to Europa League final been to a Champions League final and all this type of stuff and it's mad but that Istanbul one man it, <laughs> you mentioned actually I wasn't sure I was going to pick up on but it, I had not thought about it but you, in terms of the parade that the the, the, the treble one was unreal because you're right and it's something I wouldn't even think of now but like I said the, the two or five ways in Liverpool which anyone who's been to Liverpool will be will be aware of it's not, what's, it's called something different now isn't the wild it? fig it's called, called the wild fig but it's called Owens forever and because you used to work there and we knew the we knew the, 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 the manager and all that we were able to get up on the roof for a bit so we climbed up on the roof ready for the for the bus to come down and then basically we got bored sitting up on the roof 
at one point so we got down about two minutes before the bus finally turned so I ended up having gotten the best vantage point of the whole of the whole parade I ended up basically next to the bus running alongside it up Queen's Drive like <laughs> fucking you know what I mean like Morons, absolute morons! All these people who were up there and got this wonderful view. Well, we started up there, and then so many people followed us and like just scaled this building and stuff, didn't they? Like, and it it was mad, like, and and then yeah, we got to watch them really enjoy themselves up there as we were on the road. <laughs> what are, what are your memories then of the Istanbul day? Because it's we set a precedent that day. We 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 set a routine that we then look to replicate in 2007 which, which I'm sure a lot, a lot of people will have done to be fair you know you see your team win a European Cup and you're like well we went to walk about didn't we about 11 o'clock in the morning because you like went that. out I think I'm right in saying you went to watch the Chelsea semi-final in walkabout and that's why we chose that because we a few of us didn't I stayed in and watched it on like back in the day when you had to you could put a coat hanger into the back of your telly and get a, get a signal on the, on an awful picture I watched the second leg of that Champions League game and you were all out and you were like come on you're just coming into town and we were like oh no we're alright we'll yeah so we, we did we watched we watched that in, in more that's why we went there I think we got there like 11 o'clock something like that basically for opening time pretty much like 11, 12 I think we got it we got in there to make sure that we had our place Spec. And we did, yeah. Uh, and we had the space well, like kind of kitted out until we realised about half an hour before kick off that there was no telly in sight of where we were. We're dickheads. So we've always been dickheads. <laughs> we've been there all day. We've been there drinking for like seven hours at that point, and um, and then it all packed up. It was chock full of people, and we realised we couldn't see. It. Was that the one where we had like t- had we taken cards with us to play in the daytime, or did we learn our I lesson think that from was- the? That was that was Athens because we we were just bored off our heads, sat around <laughs> doing nothing but chatting and waiting for things waiting for things to happen. So it was like because it was a, am I right in saying it's something like a nine o'clock kickoff because of the time difference to Istanbul Go or ahead. something like no that. Idea. So I think we'd been drinking hard for like at least ten hours by the time kickoff was on. I mean I can't really remember much of the game. My memories of it do come from watching the game back and stuff like that. You know, uh, I, I remember a, a certain point we've talked about so many times at half time. I do actually remember you gripping me and. and and, and talking to me at half time but I'll let you tell that, that story it, like. was, it was mad that because obviously watching your life basically fall apart in front of your eyes when Milan starts scoring the goals because it's we said this for ages and we keep talking about this and why I think this year is different feels different for Liverpool certainly they've had, they've had no right to be in that final have you seen that team it's like Milan Barros and Jimmy Sore and you know, Diego Biscans or whatever in this world that squad was horrendous Um <laughs> <laughs> but you're there and you think, oh, because you're there, you've got a chance. And then basically Milan just, just went, oh, and flex. flex. And, um, and just pulled our pants down and, sp- and spanked us everywhere. And that, it was it was, it was was a weird feeling. And I, I, I've always been a glass half full kind of person and what have you. But uh, there's no reason for me to feel optimistic that I felt optimistic at half time. But it was that weird sense of everyone was so down the dumps and everyone was done. You were, you were off your head, to be fair. By that point, like, it's over. Um, but we, we did were, I know the game was over, though? I mean, you didn't think the game, the full game was over. So I did better than Aubrey in Paris. Better than Aubrey in Paris. Um, but the, it was... Yeah, it was... Can we it was a clip in? Yeah. We're in the ascendancy. We're going to get them. Still there, penalty, gold, sound. It's over. No, it's not over. It's not over. Yeah, but it was a it was a really weird 
weird atmosphere because everyone's so down and dumpster. Everyone was so it felt like so dead and buried. And, and why not? And you know, you had that. You had like Andy Gray. I think it was on the commentary saying like, "Oh, that's game over" and all this kind of stuff. And I, I just got this weird thing of like, "Oh well, f- fuck it." You know, look, if it, I'll go round, I'll go and console a few people because every there's proper, proper tears and people really, really were fuck like, and you know, understandably so. And then I just got this weird sense of optimism of kind of like. Not that Liverpool could, were going to do it, but like, uh, oh, well, fuck it. It's a Champions League final, for God's sake, we're here. There's 45 minutes. What are we going to do? Are we all going to go home? Are we going to sit on the floor and cry? We're going to watch Liverpool. But I was quite comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, for me, it was just like, I'm not going to... I've got 45 minutes of footy here. If, they can't, if they, they've shown you can score three goals in 45 minutes, so it's possible to score three in 45 minutes. And that was all I had. So it was just going round hugging people and telling them that it was possible. So, yeah, my outstanding memory of that was obviously when the when the third goal goes in, of just a swarm of random people from across the top floor of the walkabout grabbed me and picked me up on the shoulders and paraded me round the top floor. You said, mate, you said we could do it. And, yeah, I did. But, um, yeah, I mean, fucking hell. I mean, I'm sure people would have come round and filled me in if we'd lost that 6-0 uh, for being that optimistic gobshite. Um, you said you could, they could score another three. <laughs> gobshite. Um, what was dead funny is we walked out at the end, obviously made up and all over the place, uh, uh, hugging and, and, and kissing random people. Um I we got three steps outside and I immediately lost you. I ended up in Chinatown in a in a in a in it's one of the Chinese restaurants, obviously. Um and it was empty apart from one couple that were in there who were clearly uh, guys clearly Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who clearly realised he'd made a massive mistake at this point. And um we were the Did first people in there. By the, within ten minutes it was just Bouncing, singing songs, you know, like it was just absolutely unreal. Tell the people how your night went. I I, I don't know whether I went straight home. I can't remember if I went straight home or not. I think you attempted I, to go straight home. If that's true, that's probably true. I did definitely attempt to go home. That's not actually what happened. Um, I, I get I get confused sometimes because I've done this a couple of times now. <laughs> so as to which bus I got and uh, which night I did this on. Uh, there was certainly something around my birthday. I think I did something similar. Needless to say, I, I think I tried to get the night bus home, which is never a good idea, especially when you don't get the right bus. Is this is this one of those situations where we've all fallen foul of where when you add a letter to a bus route, it makes a massive difference to what that bus route so is? I think, I, I think I'm telling the truth. This is certainly how I remember it. It was called the 79N. Okay. Now, the 79 is the bus that gets me home in Liverpool. The 79N is not the bus that gets me home. <laughs> Very much not the bus that gets you home. It got me to witness <laughs> but by the time I woke up. So just for people who are outside of the sphere of the Northwest, Wool. Wool. It got wool. me to Wool. It's basically about, 50, it's about 10, 15 minutes outside of Liverpool. Yeah. So I fell asleep on the bus and um, I got... Uh, woken up by the bus driver saying this is the end of the line type of thing and he I, I think I remember trying to say well are you going back in and he's like I don't know whether he just blagged me and he didn't want me on his bus anymore but he wouldn't take me back to Liverpool I don't know whether it was his last stop or whatever <laughs> he's like you got to get out so I got out and I tried to ring up a cab and I found I, I don't know I, I don't know whether I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing the internet was around and you could google a phone number for a cabin witness I don't know whether I was able to do that but I definitely know that you know 72 or the 80s a cab company in Liverpool so I've probably dialed Alpha 
uh, and they would they, they, a cab driver did I think I might have stopped the black cab thinking about it and he wouldn't let me in because I was too drunk fair play to the fella I was <laughs> far too drunk to you just fell asleep on a bus and gone to a completely different town so then I think I got into another cab and then I think he decided after a couple of minutes oh, this isn't for me so he, <laughs> <laughs> so he this is not the passenger <laughs> so for me he got he basically left me on a street corner and witness somewhere and then me blo- me, everyone knows my brother's a blue and he obviously wasn't out drinking uh, so I think I, I think I found him and I think he came and picked me up in the end and, and took me home like um, yeah really. I parted long into the night that night it was a very good day the one story I always I always mentioned you've referenced a few times in places but I haven't talked about in a while was that uh, Bob Paisley's we're mates with Bob Paisley's granddaughters uh, and one of them Carol was out was in our year, year group but not in our school, in our, in our group of mates. And I had this 1990 Liverpool tracky top that was my dad's. That was the, the tracky top of time, destiny, which was which was dubbed the tracksuit top of destiny after after the fact. But at half time, this story goes that I gave my tracky top to Carol and got it basically hugged her in a, in a bear hug for the first for the start of the second half and Liverpool scored other goals. I once told Stephen Gerrard that that was the reason that we won. How did that go down? Yeah, he, he didn't. Then balloon. See, yeah, yeah, he didn't. I think he probably preferred to think that it was his Herculean heroics and physical endeavours and him scoring a, a header from, from 18 yards. But has he got the proof? Yeah, I mean, yes. He's literally scored a goal in the and played at full-back in the Champions League final. But had you not done that, Paul, maybe but, he wouldn't. You know, the butterfly effect, Chris, is all I'm saying. The butterfly effect. Me putting a tracksuit top on someone and, and giving them a hug had a ripple effect. Didn't, um, but and, and Stephen Gerrard was not happy to be told that. Just a little, advi- just a little advice for anyone looking to speak to footballers: don't try to discredit their successes by applying some sort of random logic pertaining to yourself. To or, or, them. let's not even use the word logic because it's not really is it? Just... logic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It doesn't work. Um, so yeah, that was that was Istanbul. And what was funny the, the parade the the next day. I was still so pissed. So busy. I don't. Did you, I, I think you, came, you were you working that day? Um, where were you? Where, where were you working? Britannia. I I dragged myself up because you had to. A couple of mates of mine came over from Sheffield because I, I I've told the story in the past, but I, I moved back from back to Liverpool during the in the, between the legs of the Leverkusen game in that, that year. Um, so they came over. One of them was a Liverpool fan, and one was a Man City fan, just to. Be a part of it, like just to see it and soak it up in his mind because the, the story that there was a million people descend upon Liverpool that day. People were just people just woke up in that morning and, and felt compelled, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and we went to the flyover, um, the, where you come off the end by the of the rocket 62 by the by the by the rocket. And I had a, the camera, it's one of the very first films that things I ever filmed. And I, I wish I had the footage to put in, I, I really don't think I have. I'm sure it'll surface at some point in the future. But I, I stood on the bar- on the barrier on the top of the flyover. So this is probably about thirty feet in the air, maybe probably probably more. We think about it, 40, 50 more, feet. Yeah. Um, there's nothing there. It's just a fuck. It's about not even a foot wide. And I was stood on this at the peak of it, over the, 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 the and, and holding the camera up. And I was filming the the, the parade. And I uh, 
I really, I'll see if I can find it. But if I can't, I'll have to explain it to you. I was shouting the Liverpool players, so like Cara and Steve, you're at the front. So I'm going, Cara, Cara, Steve, Steve, trying to get away, he's trying to get at them, nothing. Trying down the line, down the line, down the line. And at the very end, as the bus just comes past, Harry Kuehl's on the back. Harry, Harry! And Harry Kuehl sees and gives a wave. And I, the, the line I used was something along the lines of, you fucking useless gobshite. <laughs> So angry with just with the European Cup, Liverpool players went out. I was so angry at Halley Kuehl, it was unbelievable. But I also had spent all that time. Um, the press bus went past first, and I had I was flicking the V's the whole time, going, "You can't use any of this footage. This will be the footage." As we've established, I'm I was a fucking gobshite when I was in my fucking late teens and early twenties. My highlight of the whole period, though, was. Stood there, it was just wall to wall cars, a sea of bodies. The traffic came to a standstill, they blocked it off, they wouldn't let anyone over the over the flyover, they wouldn't let anyone un- under it. There was one Evertonian stuck in his car <laughs> under the flyover in his Everton shirt. What a knobhead! Like, why you got just to, obviously just gone to prove a point. Everyone's walking around in the position, he obviously wanted to make a stand and make everyone realize that he supported Everton and that they finished fourth. And he was, oh, mate, and he was stuck in his car surrounded by Liverpool fans celebrating the European people banging on the windows, going, hey, rocking his car. Hey, five times, like five times. And he had to sit there for half an hour. In a, in a traffic jam surrounded by Liverpool fans it, it's one of those memories that even though I was bladdered I will you know never never ever forget was it 2001 thing. we were chasing the bus down in, was it my car we were trying to we remember driving through the Swan in Queen's Drive yeah, and we tried to catch it up later along down the way god yeah I totally forgotten about that I, I was definitely in work for the 2005 one I mean I say in work I lived in in the Britannia pub in, in, in Liverpool above it and stuff and um, I, I didn't do much work that day. I would mainly lay on the sofa watching the news with the parade and stuff like that. Yeah, that's fucking gutting that I've missed that. And it's gutting that I will miss it again yeah. if we win it. So just just quickly, then Athens obviously ended up being a massive disappointment. It's funny because I've never watched that game. Never watched that game. Back. I watched the highlights, lowlights back last week. <laughs> For, really? the f- for the first time, yeah, just prepping for the Carragher interview. Huh. Um, so I watched like the 10 minute highlights, and stuff like that. fucking terrible. Oh my god, I, uh, but it's funny because we, we just it was a shit side we put out that day, yeah. We played Zenden, didn't we? And yeah. fucking, um, who's the right winger? Pennant, yeah. Pennant was Pennant was class for the night in that game. He, he for the first like half an hour of that game, he was amazing, and then not on, yeah, not on after he, the fire, he was shit though. <laughs> generally um, but what was funny about it was we tried to recreate the day so we started we started early and it was funny there was a we talked about this after the fact and it's funny that we're now sitting 12 years later in the same situation still that what did what did you sing about an hour before kickoff? We won a six time. <laughs> and I'm still waiting to get a second verse of that in I remember writing in my phone um it's seven o'clock. It's an hour before kickoff. Uh, uh, Chris is just saying we've won it with six times. It's at this point I've realised that we're <laughs> losing this final. <laughs> just like, but all that was the first. I think that was the first instance ever of like the payjackism, <laughs> yeah, like, like the, 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 the precursor of, uh, of, of the Umani ass and all the things that have followed before it. Like, but yeah, we got bladdered. It was very disappointing. And I remember again, I post that. 
walking around the walkabouts, consoling people and, and you know, and, and trying to cheer people up and all that, because it was mad, like, singing You'll Never Walk Alone in the dying embers of that, of that game when you knew it was it was, it was was dead and buried. Um, yeah, proper, proper, properly weird. That, and it's... I, I genuinely hope, because I know a lot of people, a lot of people flocked to Liverpool last year for the Kevin, more, more than that are probably going to be doing it this year around. I really hope that the people who do that get the experience of it, because... Nothing will ever come close. Nothing ever in my life has ever come close to that. Like the, the seeing Liverpool win the European Cup, even over, even only on telly, even only on probably a telly that I wouldn't even have in, in, in like my kids' now, yeah, be- in a kids' true. bedroom these days. Like, um, but like that swell of bodies and going out into town and just that that collective spirit of just the biggest party you've ever felt in your life and then obviously carrying on for day, for days after the fact and then even like the day after that we all went into town to try and get anything with five stars on it we went into the club shop and there's, there's a famous story about like Brian Reed saying like Liverpool just didn't like it wasn't open the day after and it, and it, it didn't have enough basis we bought like Lighters. I remember buying a lighter with five stars on it. It was like my prized possession, everything, just to have all that stuff. So it's mad to think that that you know, it's fourteen years since five stars became a thing. I'd give any info. And the hand gesture. Yeah, no, you know, I give. I give anything. It's mad that you know we could be look. Just as a slight tangent, reread the Watchmen comic, and there's a whole issue of it dedicated to how time is not linear. Yeah. Time all time exists at one at one point. So there's blocks of marble from two thousand years ago that have statues embed, embedded in them, that kind of stuff. And I love the notion that there's a pot we're living in this time now, that this is the present. Liverpool five stars is the big thing, but we live in a we're living in a potential past in which this is the last time when five stars was a big thing for Liverpool and six stars is gonna be could just be the thing that that's on everything for, for 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 hopefully not too many years before seven but you know that's i love i love that as a as a that's what's got me so excited about the whole the whole event what have you got uh not not something for the show certainly something for after the show <laughs> I'll, I'll show you in a bit it's not too bad that's weird it's fine um how are you gonna do it are you gonna do the six if we win it what do you mean thumb or a finger it probably won't be weird I'll, I'll, two hands is a bit too much like I'll just put a, fi- put a fist up. Okay. What's next, mate? What are you going to do? I don't know yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it. I think I've learnt my lesson after 2007. <laughs> I like that one, actually, yeah. Woo! <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, will you do some fucking some sort of Wakanda Forever style three and three yeah, celebration? Yeah. Brilliant. Um... Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. But before we do, it's time for some life coaching. That's what you all turn up for. You all need to, to live better lives. Chris and I have lived very long and fulfilling, taxing lives, uh, and we've learned some things and we've made many mistakes along the way. Um, Hughes ninety eight uh, said, "Lads, how do you regain trust in a girl after you invaded her privacy by looking through her messages on her phone?" We were dating three months and now she barely talks to me. How do I win a back, lads? I, I like my my uh, my advice for this one is probably pretty redundant, but it would be don't get caught. Yeah, I mean, I've never. It's weird, and I apologise to Hughes ninety eight in this because I 
I remember having a mate when I, in Sheffield, and she had this fella who was really possessive, and he did this mad thing once where he was dead jealous of it, and he thought he was constantly having affairs and all this kind of stuff. And one day she she woke up and went to go to work, and she couldn't leave the house because he had washed every item of clothing that she owned, so it was all wet. So she had no <laughs> clothes, so she couldn't leave the house. Honestly, mate, fucking freak show. And I was like. I didn't think men did that kind of thing because my only experience of it is obviously from my own perspective was I've, I've been out with some girls who've been a bit odd in, in the past and done some weird done some weird things. So it, that mentality doesn't compute with, doesn't has never really computed I, I, with I knew a, I knew a girl I went to university with, I used to live with her actually, and, and she was a bit nuts as well. Like And um, I once caught her in her fella's CD collection, scratching the CDs. All of them, right? That, I mean, passive aggressive to the max. Wow. So she'd taken all the CDs out of the case and was just taking a key or a knife or whatever it was and was just scratching them from the outside to the inside every CD and just putting them back in the cases. This is this isn't someone that she's not going out with anymore. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And he's like, "Well, you know." And he's like, "He's never going to know you did it." And he's like, "And you're still with him." And it was bizarre. My God. Yeah, I, I, I get some people do this, and I think that they're bringing it back. I think, I'll be perfectly honest, trust is a very a very difficult thing to regain in relationships. I think when you, when sometimes, often when things are broken, it's very hard to get over get over that lack of thing because you've broken, you've broken trust by doing it. And I, I would be, if someone did that, for a start, you know, I would be thinking, like, why? What What have you done? And I, I, my, my, my thing... I often find in life, I don't know whether this is true or not, is that we often put ourselves into, into into situations. And I think like people often think things of people that are really the, what they think of themselves. So it's like, if you think that people are, people are talking behind your back, it's because you talk behind people's back. So you presume that other people act the same way that you do. So you, you I wonder whether, and I don't know whether this is true, but I often find that people who go through People's phones, obviously, I've, maybe it's just because they have trust issues. But I often find that they maybe they've had stuff that they've, they've something they've done, so they they believe that other people are capable of it. The trick is, if you've got a the trick to a relationship, a, a, a relatively successful relationship. I've got a relatively successful relationship; it's lasted long enough. If you ever got an issue with that person, just ask them about it. Just be upfront about it because. So I would say I would say genuine advice to this one is that you don't trust her and that's the problem. Mm. And if you don't trust her, I don't think you're getting over that. Yeah. I've never I've never been able to get over that if I've had a trust issue with mm. somebody. I'll give you an example. Maybe 15 odd years ago, something like that, I started going out with a girl. I started going out with a girl when she was going out with somebody else. Yeah. And I never trusted her, obviously, because she was willing to cheat on the fella that she was with to get with me. Yeah. And that like, although I went out with her for a few years and stuff, it never went away. Yeah. And in the end, that's how it ended Yeah. as well, yeah. to be fair. So if you don't trust them and you're going through the phone, find someone you do trust. And the, find someone that you like and you do trust, rather yeah. than just someone that you like and you don't trust. Yeah, is yeah. The, is the kind of thing. I, it's, and it's, I would say from the flip side... She probably ain't gonna trust you again, so you're wasting your time. But. Yeah, I just I, what, I think the thing of those is what are you what are you looking for? What are you what are you hoping to find in in that regard? Because, I mean, I get I guess if you've asked and they've said no, then you've got that's the thing about relationship. You've got to take people at face value in in, in that stuff. If people are prepared to go to bat and say no, and it's hard because it means that you're putting yourself out there. It's it, 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 a daft analogy, right? 
but like in a football, bring that's like a football thing. I remember when we when Jen Chang was the head of communication for Liverpool, and he invited us in, and Liverpool were being linked to Gaston Ramirez, and he was having a medical every fucking twenty minutes. You know, it was constant, it was no smoke without fire kind of situation. I remember saying. He said, "Well, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, and I, and I, you know, I'll treat you like journalists if you ask the right questions." And he said, "Blah blah." blah. And I said, "Gaston Ramirez, he went, I will, I can unequivocally tell you that there is no chance Liverpool are not into Liverpool will not be buying him. So you can, you know, you can run with that." And I was terrified of 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 of, of that because of speaking out and saying that's definitely not going to happen because of all there was loads of like rumors and whispers and all that kind of stuff, and I didn't want to stake my reputation on on someone's word. But you know, in in love and life, you've kind of you. You've kind of got to. You give them the opportunity. You've got to give them people. You've got to give people the trust and the time. If she then chooses to fuck you over, you can't insulate against future heartbreak. Is what I'm basically saying. Because it's no way to live. Because you've got to constantly be on edge. You're going to constantly be treading on eggshells. You've got to go all in on relationships. You've got to go all in and give them the trust. And you've got to, that's what love is. Is that you hand them. Sorry. You hand them your heart and you basically say, go ahead, it's yours. Do with it as you please and they should do the same in return. And if you choose to fuck the other person over, then that's that's ultimately o- on you. Also, Hugh's idea, if you do get it with another bird, with the new GDPR laws, I think you're going to have to get her to sign something to say that you are okay to invade her privacy. <laughs> uh, just like the internet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a simple lesson in life. I mean, your bird will give you the phone now, you know what I mean by large, and but she shouldn't have to, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to go through. That's that's just just be be upfront, ask the questions, and look. Ultimately, treat this as a learning curve. Chalk this up to life experience. If you fucked it, you fucked it. It's something you're gonna have to live with. Um, but hopefully, it'll make you a better person moving on to the future. All the best, Hughes ninety eight. Um, if you want us to give you some life coaching advice, you can do. Um, you can leave it in the comment section on the YouTube. You can tweet either uh, at the Paul Machen or at Mister Blood Red. If you want us to actually answer, they'll put it in the put it in the YouTube comments because we we actually physically check that. Yeah, I mean, before I'll, the next show. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. do that by, by by all means. But if you're listening on um, iTunes, if you're listening on Spotify, listening on all kinds of um, podcasty type devices, make sure you give it a five star review. Much appreciated if you do that. Um, Chris will be away next week. We'll figure something out in the interim. There is a, a, another special guesty podcast which we might well put out next week, but we'll we'll tease that. So again, get get us on Twitter and you'll find out more information about all that stuff. Other than that, Chris been an absolute pleasure mm. just the Champions League final to look forward to now fingers crossed I, uh, even though Chris will be um, in a ditch somewhere <laughs> that he gets to be happy a happy man do it for Chris drop a like on the video for Chris see you soon bye